He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything they have to offer. You can also find us, the73thhole.com. Look for us on Twitter, 73rd Hole, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us, search 73rd Hole. Gentlemen, the Players' Championship, it was a great Sunday. It was a great week at the Players. We made the turn yesterday. I think probably 10 guys still had a chance to win the tournament at that point. And then Justin Thomas breaks through for what I know for him. Uh, I mean, you can see it on his face whenever he finished, both professionally and personally, a very big win for JT and all around just an, a very entertaining week of golf and a very entertaining Sunday of golf whenever uh, golf balls were all over the place yesterday, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, I thought the uh, entertainment yesterday was better than most, you know. So basically, yesterday, I loved all the storylines on the leaderboard yesterday. You had the Bo Show, you had our guy Gooch, you had JT, who's had been having a rough time, you have Westwood, who is honestly making a comeback playing some of the best golf of his career at 47 years old at 47 years old exactly um and then you had other guys like rom and sergio up there early bryson trying to win back-to-back weeks exactly yeah and so basically boys let's let's just go back to number four yesterday i mean great hole i mean the architect really (laughs) laid that hole up he really put the water in spot where it's it's very in play. On did, that did, hole. Do they do it like a? Do they switch? Do they have like the caddy sit for the players on that no. hole and they put them in masks or something? Because <laughs> well, yeah. that's what it looked like. No, it looked like the sandblast broke out. At, like they the com- member guests. <laughs> Westwood and Bryson combined for three over, and there were some of the best bogeys and doubles I ever saw. I watched it back this morning. The pro tracer on Bryson's top. I mean, it's an elite pro tracer. I can't even believe the pro tracer picked it up, but like, it got the ball speed, like the little apex. It had like 150 something on there on ball speed, too. It was awesome. awesome. And then, and then his his second shot, he's like, what is going on? Yeah, (laughs) it's like 90 yards right. He's literally saying the same thing we are. How is that even on the golf course? How's that on the golf course? As soon as he hit it, me and Sam were actually watching it together at the time, and as soon as he hit it, I was like, Oh, that's out of bounds. That's got to be out of bounds. <laughs> and then he ends up saving double because he's able to hit from 100 yards right of the green in the pine straw and the trees across the cart path. I'm like, how is this a part of this golf hole? He tops it, so it's like, oh, Westwood, I mean, he's got free reign to pick up some strokes here. No, big old boomerang slice in the Just pine. a high yaw, straight Look, into West, the water. Westwood, man, it seemed it was so weird. It seemed like he had the nerves, nerves early in the round, and then generally – you know, it's really hard to get out of that funk if you if you get into it. And not only did he get out of it, he started to roll there for a little bit. I mean, what? I mean, he got to tied with the lead with DJ or um, JT, got all the way down to eleven under, rebound, and got all the way back to thirteen. I know he three putted seventeen, but then yep. ended up. I mean, that that putting man on eighteen boys that was worth that was worth a coin. Oh, it, was worth, it was worth half a million dollars. <laughs> Somebody did the math on Twitter and pointed it out. Splitting <laughs> that T three money would have netted him about one point one, uh, and he's about one point six three five. It would it would have been. It would have been a three-way tied second instead of solo second. 
Yes, yes, yes so yeah, that's yes. what it would have been. Well, yeah. I mean, Bryson's U-turn, I mean, that was <laughs> – cost him about how much was uh, it? It cost Bryson, let's see, he would have been in the T2 money with Westwood alone had his putt dropped on 18. Westwood alone, I believe, was 1.6 mil, and the other two were around 800K. Yeah, 885,000 is what the other two made. So if you would have split uh, Westwood and Bryson, you'd have been splitting about 2.3. So I would have had him at about 1.15. So that lip out on 18 cost Bryson – Almost 300k. Wow, and that's pretty. That sounds like our traditional weekend money games, right, guys? Oh, but no, we play for 18, way more than that. 300k. Oh yeah, when I've got four dollars <laughs> riding on that seven footer on 18, oh buddy. Hey, so I want to dive into uh, to Westwood a little bit. So good couple of weeks. Good couple back weeks. to back. Great seconds. couple of weeks. Yeah. Also, awesome. also before you get into this, Sam, one thing I wanted to note. I, I didn't look this up. Maybe you've seen it on Twitter. One of y'all. When's the last time back to back tournaments had the exact same final group? That's a great question. That is a good question. That's a really good know. question. Yeah. I, I thought, and not only um, didn't Westwood and Bryson both have solo or solo lead and solo second, or was Bryson tied with someone? Bryson may have been tied. I think I he was tied. Look at the leaderboard. I think I'm not he, sure. I'm, I'm, nevertheless, but I, I was just thinking before you went got any points. Him, I was thinking, yeah. man, DeChambeau and Westwood in the same back to back group, and I was thinking. What, like when's the last time back to back tournaments had that? And I I I didn't I tried That's to look it up. I couldn't I, I, I just I just couldn't think about it. So go get any points, yeah, Sam. No, I didn't yeah. interrupt you. No, you're all good. So um with Westwood yesterday, I saw a couple things. First is he he was putting great, but the problem is he was putting so much pressure on his short putts, especially he was leaving himself five to ten foot par putts all day. And it's the reason what I saw yesterday is under pressure, Westwood t- tends to get a little timid and tends to get a little stuck. And, and so what I mean by stuck is his chest with his swing, it's so short he gets a little quick in transition and his chest goes down, which t- tends to make him, at least from my eye, he squeezes it out to the right when he's not – He it, it's kind of like he's guiding it a little bit and he's squeezing it out to the right. Like even when we saw him hit a couple bunker shots, he was still so stuck uh, coming into That's impact. What, they, made on, they made the comment on 16 he hit like three bunker shots that came out straight right. It's yeah. for the exact same reason. Yeah, it's it, he has – well, obviously Westwood, to get a little more technical, you know, his left arm, you know, it, it extends early and then actually like – Unextends, you know, like right at impact, he has a it bent, bends. Bend. He has yeah, a bent left bend. arm, which a lot of people, a lot of good players actually do have that, they but do, they don't yeah. teach that because you'll notice a lot of amateurs will have the the baseball type of swing where right. it's literally almost like a ninety degree bend. So you got to find well, a happy medium. But yeah, what basically what the point that you're making, Sam, is exactly right because like those shots that he was hitting offline, you could tell his his legs were starting to straight were starting to straighten up, which means that like you said, his chest has to lower because if his legs raise up and right. his chest doesn't lower, he tops the ball like Bryson did on four, <laughs> yeah. and he already saw a top. So, so he said, I don't feel like topping it Real today. quick quote from Lee Westwood after the round yesterday, uh, and this is down into the quote a little bit. He talked a little more before this, but he said, I hate to say it, age is catching up with me. He said this yesterday. He said yesterday, which would have been Saturday, I felt like my legs were just starting to get a bit tired and weak, and today I just didn't feel like I had my legs under me. I was hitting shots I don't normally hit. The ones right off two, four, and 11 were poor shots, couldn't quite find the strike. So, I mean, he even kind of admits there, dude, I'm, I'm getting old. I, I played a lot of competitive golf. My legs got tired, and uh, I, I think that it was that the second out. second week it checks out, and you know it, it makes complete sense because it looked like he had not as much rotation as he has had the last seven rounds before that that we saw him playing great golf. Um, but all that being said, the man still had a chance to win the golf tournament, 
and was knocking in those three to four to five to six to seven footers for par all day. He didn't give himself many birdie chances, which is why he didn't win the tournament, in my opinion. Um, but you want the uh, strokes gain T to green for all four rounds for yeah, Westwood? Yeah, let's we see, see that. him get tired in the fourth round. Uh, four point seven seven in round one, strokes gain T to green. Uh, one point six four in round two, three point one six in round three, and in the final round he lost two point two six strokes yeah. T to green, so which you, is yeah. a massive. Flip you top. heard all positives there, and he ended the tournament with only one uh, plus one point eight three. So that goes yeah. to show yeah. he was probably what you added those up in the. Th- I think he was in the yeah, threes. I mean, he, he lost it all in the final day. He was minus two point two six. On uh, on Sunday, so for the event, he probably would have been at what does that round up to? He was about four point one going into Sunday. I, I, I believe I'm looking at it. He was the leader in T to Green well, going yeah. into into uh, into uh, Sunday. I know, and uh, DeChambeau, which we'll get into in a little bit, was actually down there lower. DeChambeau gained more strokes putting this week than he did, and I think anything. So, yeah. um, or uh, definitely, I know he did in driving for sure. Well, all that being said, ironically, Westwood still cost himself the tournament with a three-putt, which is, I mean, obviously he didn't hit a great shot in there, so you could say it was on the iron shot, but still, I mean, you got to get that ball down in two and at least give yourself on a 17. chance. Yeah, on yes. 17. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, and the and, thing is, everybody who hit it up high had the six-footer coming back, Yeah, and and but it's an easy putt once you get past the hole down there. I think everybody made it except Westwood coming back that he I saw in the last He didn't hit hour. it quite hard enough. He was also on a different, kind of a different angle His than like DeChambeau and JT was. He, he was. He was more on the second putt. On the second putt, His yes. was more right to left. Also, yeah. also I want to uh, get something straight here, which is you try to find you know ways to make stats better, right? And whenever they show JT hitting his putt on 17, they went off of the strokes gain analytics where they're like, okay, there's a 3% chance that he's going to three-putt this. Yeah, and it's that. like, if you set 100 balls down there, you're going to three-putt more than three of those damn putts. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. It's I like, it goes too. just it goes basically just off of the um, how, how far you are, but it's like, when you actually think about it, like out of the 100 tour pros that would be from down there, anyone, th- yeah. there, there'd be way more than three three putts and, well, and no one you, would make it either because you literally I, I don't know if you can get that putt inside three feet we didn't see it doesn't do stop it. maybe if you if you got it to die at the top of the ridge perfectly and start to fall that way uh you could have make, make sure to say that point Colby when we get into it later in our show why it's an overrated three stretch of holes okay fair enough we will definitely get to that because that again it's as it's as bad of an opinion today as it was on <laughs> last Tuesday but we will definitely get into that uh guys okay. Justin Thomas the winner of the turn you have a closing point on Westwood? No, I, no 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 I was just gonna say you were talking about the greens real quick and and basically what i saw out of the greens yesterday was first of all coming into the green they were super crispy and very firm and hard and taking big first hops even with wedges and then they were just trickling out and rolling out like crazy i think that's one of the great things about having the tournament in uh march instead of when, when where it was before yeah, yeah back so, in may yeah and so way faster and also i like it i like it being before the masters don't y'all i kind of i, I kind of do like it in march yeah. i do because it gives us a turn now that the pga is taking its spot in may it gives us march april may june july it gives us five straight months where it feels like there's a huge marquee event yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's including the pga change i was just thinking from the perspective of you know you go you go like we said you finish you normally finish the PGA now it's the Open Championship and then you go to Matt, to Augusta right and then I just think it's nice to have a bigger tournament what was quote unquote the fifth major to be in between that Augusta 
Open Championship now stretch there, that eight-month yes. stretch. Yeah. I, I would prefer that much more than what it was where the Masters was, then we had the players, and then the U.S. So it kind of just got fed in there, and it lost a little bit of its of its flavor, in my opinion. Well, because you'd already played the Masters, so you'd already gotten all the Masters excitement out of your system, whereas now it still feels like we're building up to that. Um, fellas, we talked about Lee Westwood and how poorly he hit the ball in the final round. Justin Thomas was the exact opposite. Justin Thomas gained 5.63 strokes tee to green yesterday. He hit 17 greens in regulation. The only one he missed was on 18, and he missed it by, it by a foot. Uh, I don't even think it was by a foot. <laughs> With uh, a by two inches, inches maybe. And he was and, playing at 108 yards. Oh, I know. It, 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 <laughs> the closest anyone was all day, or yeah. I, I don't know if it technically was, but it was the closest I saw. Yeah, the tee shot that he hit on 18, when they when they had the, the actual camera, not the pro chaser, but the actual camera where you could see that ball hooking, I thought to myself, I'm like, all right, 99% chance that's in the water. I thought, it hit, I thought 100%. It hopped right into that upslope and kicked dead straight. Well, kicked, here's two actually, Almost right. It almost can, could When you consider the right. trajectory was on, I think it did kick a little right. Well, the thing is about it, guys, I, I've been hearing this too. One thing is that it landed in an upslope, so that kicked it up. But two is that he, it was downwind. So what's that going to do? That's going to propel the ball to be able to go more forward than it would be to go sideways. Yeah, but it would, that ball was going straight right to left. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean the, the but the hole goes right little, to left. Though. No, I know, I know. A little bit to do with but it, if but that I think ball, the slope where it landed was the main. If that ball lands on a flat surface, that ball's going in the water. Okay, well, okay. so this is a perfect segue then into what I said earlier about three-hole stretches. So if you hit a snap hook off of the 18th hole and it's the best three-hole stretch, why are you not penalized for it? You, you can, see, that's the worst argument you've how's ever that, How's made? that yeah. the worst argument ever? Okay. Because, well, because he got this close. You you can't he tell got, me that a lucky bounce makes it a bad hole. <laughs> okay, okay. Got a normal bounce is in the water. Where, where were all the other players at? That, were, no one else in the, did any, who else on Sunday? Everyone was hitting it in the pine straw right. right okay, so what makes straw. that a good hole then? That's my whole point. You have to play from the pine straw because you're bailing out JT away from the didn't. water. Who's Corey the only Connors person? Who's the, who hit the best drive on 18? Westwood. Corey Connors. He made Bird. Corey Connors hit a way better drive. Okay, Corey Connors hit the best drive, and okay, he was able what to throw a good approach shot in there. Okay, what I'm saying is, if you hit a good tee shot, you make birdie. JT got... Who made, made, bird, who made birdie on 18? Jason Westwood. 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 Westwood, yeah, and Kokrak. No, what I'm saying is, <laughs> don't say that it's a bad hole because JT just got extremely lucky. I mean, JT was thinking his lucky stars. He, that he ball should have gone in the water. Lucky. JT was over... JT literally leaned on his caddy's shoulder with his head up against his shoulder because JT knew that he just got the bounce of the year literally. to stay uh, uh, in play. Hey, okay, by the okay. way, you can't tell me before we get off the bounce, bro... You cannot tell me that there wasn't some divine intervention, like with his grandpa just guiding that ball back Golf into the gods, fairway. Man, I mean, hey, sometimes, well, we see that all the time when guys win tournaments. Things usually go right, yeah. and I mean that was something going right for JT. It's just it's accentuated because it happened on eighteen. You know, if he hits a tee shot on seven that nearly goes in the water and stays up, we're like, oh, it's a good bounce there for JT. But we don't think that much of it. But when it happens on eighteen, it's like, oh, did you see that bounce JT got? Turny saver. This is my point, right? I heard at least 10 times, at least 10 during the telecast, best finish in golf coming up, best finish in golf coming up. And, and this is my point. 16's a great hole. I've already said that. 17 with the pin where it was, you're you, you're going to have a six-footer for par. That's essentially guaranteed no matter where you – unless you do the Brian Harmon and name right at the pin, which Scott Tway, but, thank but you, gave the man – that's why it a great risk-reward. How is that a great risk-reward? Because you're going to have a guaranteed six-foot par putt. Brian Harmon took the risk. That one out of 40 – one out of 70-something players. Exactly. Yeah, the, the other guys chose not to take the risk, okay, so, so that, they had no chance to make birdie. Okay, so that's what makes it a bad hole then. If players aren't going to aim at the hole, it's a bad hole. Dude, I you are reaching – 
This you is are, this, it, is, it is nowhere Taylor. close to being the best finish in golf. Taylor, nowhere close. Me, me and Sam aren't saying it's the best finishing stretch in golf, and you can't be mad at NBC for pumping up their own product. I'm not. I'm just saying. People say it's the best finishing golf, and it's not anywhere <laughs> freaking no, close. The only people who say that are the ones on the broadcast. Y'all were sitting here defending, trying to defend it on our last show. I, I, we both said it is one of the best, and when you made your list, Sam and I both agreed that you had multiple courses on your yeah. list with better finishing stretches. It's not the best, but it's a, it's still a great finishing it's top, stretch. It's top the five, theater, maybe top three. I mean, the theater man. was awesome. 16's a great hole, but that, man, I, I, it's just my 16, whole point. By the way, 16 might be my favorite hole on tour. How about Westwood hitting the tree and kicking down left behind oh it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Also, because of the angle, the ball went in. Like, it didn't pop out kind it's of the, of its pitch mark. Well, it was sitting goofy in the The toughest sand. shot in golf is hitting a low shot out of a fluffy sand lie. Oh, with you know with I mean? water on the other side. Yeah, with water yeah. on the other side. So, no. what are you going to do? Take a seven iron and try no, to run? Yeah. Like, You're just, you, imp- that was impossible. Yeah. He, I think he did the right thing. I think he did. T- to, he did well to make par. Like, I mean, he left himself an easy bunker shot, at least. It wasn't Easy bunker shot from yeah. the front bunker. But, but how about, but I was just going to bring up 16. I was just talking about the finish. You can have so much happen, like Bryson on 16, taking it oh over the trees. Oh, my God, the line Bryson he took off 16. He just big-bodied number 16. I mean, my goodness. What, he took, our, in he or two took two our Tiger Woods 2004 line on yeah. 16. We're, we're playing our big bracket 190 out, in. And that's the line you take on the video game when you can do the super power boost <laughs> and the button times. Yeah. And Bryson, I mean, he had full power boost. Bryson hey, was all over that T-Dub, I will agree with you on one thing about the finish, though. 17, I want to see the pin up front on, on, a, on Sunday. I like it where it's at. I like it where it's at. Here's, here's, the only reason why I didn't like it yesterday is because the greens were too crispy and firm that guys weren't taking the chance. I do see what you're saying um, about, you know, like, I, I mean, I see what you're saying, Colby, about the pin being on the right, like, risk-reward. Brian Harmon took the risk, but he also landed it over by about a foot, which is, like, the, the but, only but also, reason was, why he took that risk. Wind. I understand that. But, like, the only reason why he took that risk was because he was in the position that he was like he really had and le- except for money take money out of it he had nothing to lose as far as winning the tournament right but he you know thought he I mean? could still win the tournament if he finished birdie birdie right and you know he, there's no way he can know that jt's gonna but i think you'd see did. more balls in the water if you put the pin up front we didn't really see any balls we never really do on this, sunday I, I think i saw the numbers on on the things I, I may be wrong on the exact ones, but I saw, and obviously taking into account the first two rounds, there's more players playing, right? So you're gonna have That's more true. balls. So yeah. first two rounds, I believe there was 35 and 33 balls in in the water, and on the third round, which is where the front pin was, there was eight balls in the water, and then yesterday there was 10 with the pin. So you think about it, right pin to left pin, the front pin, the pin we want, eight to 10 balls in the water, not a whole lot of difference there. I mean, I, I think that there would have been more balls in the water yesterday if it had been calm or if the wind had been into, because I think more guys would have taken on the flag. I think the reason nobody other than Brian Harmon took on the flag was because it was downwind. And I mean, you can't, you can't control that. Like other years, I just feel like other years we've seen more guys try to go at that flag on Sunday. And even on the I think I think it gets overshadowed by the people that actually hit it close. A lot more people aim at the middle of the green than you think. That's yeah. why. That's why I was talking on, in our previous show. Why I hate that pin. It was everybody but one yesterday took the safe line, and I feel like most years more than one people take the aggressive line. I just think that's fair. The, the wind, straight down wind like that. I mean, you have to land it where Brian Harmon landed it. And yeah. by the way, shouts to Brian Harmon because Scott Tway. I think Scott Tway told hey, him where to Scott hit it. Great, that's what I'm saying. Line, and the perfect club. Our two guys yep. both hit. I mean, how about Gooch just hitting oh, gutsy man. shots down the stretch? I texted TG and said, "Dude, you hit." 
every shot that you needed to hit coming oh, yeah. down the stretch. That shot he um, had on 18. Dude, so underrated. So good. So good. And Brian Harmon on 18 as well. Out From of the, the pine, pine straw. straw hit yeah. the knockdown out of the pine straw. It's the only oh, way to control by, by the, the way, distance. Gooch on 15. So let's talk about Gooch a little bit. Yeah. He's starting to make this run. He looks like, okay, let's get a couple hit it, The first time they showed him was on 13 when he hit it to three feet or whatever. Yeah, on part yeah. three. And then got it to 10 under. I think and Gooch's best shot was on 16. Though. Yeah, but on 15. How about the putt that he hit on 15? That lipped I mean, out. Dude, oh he creeps my gosh. down the hill, lips out dead weight, and I even texted both of y'all. I was like, "No, not the dead weight lip out. No. We, we can't get the dead weight lip out on 15 no, on Sunday." Man. But then, I mean, the, that's the, the one that ki- that's the one that killed him because it really put him behind the eight ball. As far as like, if that ball goes in, he's right there. Like, I mean, yes. he was still there, but he would have been he, right there. He had, he had a chance on 16. Well, and it was such a, a good putt too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, dead weight lip outs are all, always the best. You know they. I was feeling real good, <laughs> especially on the 69th nice hole of the tournament. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he had, what, 20-something eagle putt foot on, on 16 guys, maybe even a little closer. I think it was 16 feet. 16 what, feet. So, yeah, I mean, what a shot that was, just a squeeze little cut in there, lands about a foot on the green, runs back. One thing about 16. Man, what a shot. One thing I'll say about 16 before we get into the tail that, I, that, I re- that that's why I like think it's a good hole. You look at the two, the two guys who finished first and second in there. JT Westwood, right? JT yeah. hits his little five wood that he loves. Big high cut in there, lands left side of the green. Such part. a good shot, yeah. by the way. Westwood, he's trying to hit. He's forty-seven year old man trying to hit three iron out there. He can't get it more than five feet off the ground, so he hits the tree. So this kind of goes to our point of like when we have Steve Ball on the podcast, he talks about it. it's not height on the ball that's bad; it's spin. And I think JT JT was a little closer than Westwood was, which I thought was kind of funny considering the fact that JT had a five wood and Westwood had a three iron too. But um, I did think it was fascinating that that the height on the ball was able to basically essentially save JT on on that shot because the, the five wood he hit in there were spectacular. Also, just yesterday was really such a great illustration of JT having all the shots. JT has now added a controlled duck hook to his arsenal it's off the tee. 16 and 18 were duck hooks. Dude, he hit off 16. <laughs> off 16, you could tell that he hit it within two feet of his line, and it, it was like a Bubba Watson snap hook Did y'all see how the fairway. Y'all see how far his driver carried? Y'all see the carry oh, number? 16? Yeah. Uh, Two, I, 234 was the carry. 34. Rolled out 60 yards. Yeah, and then at, after hitting the snap hook off the tee, he hits a high two-yard fade with a five-wood out of the fairway. I mean, that is that is having peak control of your golf ball with, with JT. His and, ball strike and, and also, is Also, that adds on to how good Taylor Gooch's drive was. He had 211 in the green, and JT and yep. Westwood are back there. I know they said the wind kind of picked up, but Gooch was yeah. only a group or two ahead of him. Yeah. You know, so I couldn't have picked up that much. I mean, and TG bombs the ball, and that just proves how far Bryson's hitting it. He had like 192 yeah. or whatever. But I mean, the how line about, Bryson took. I still can't get over the line. I, I, I can't I, he, he did. I mean, how perfectly he played that hole yeah, was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about bounces and all that. He went through the top of the trees, ran through the rough a little bit so I mean you know there yeah. was I mean look, I mean it was bit. a hell of a drive you know bit. but we've seen I mean your boy Doug Gim I mean he had a 20 yard <laughs> hey. back. he might have 50 yards left to that hey, but nevertheless we, we lost Doug on number seven yesterday uh Faraday had a great great quote about Doug Gim he said experience is what you get when you don't get what you want uh, I heard him say that was awesome that's unfortunate for Doug Gim but uh before we get off Taylor how about that great one putt on 17 that Taylor had? The old GIR one putt par. The that GIR so one clutch. putt par. And he even gave us a little fist pump. I love that. No, no, no. The best thing that happened on 17 with Gooch 
is after he hit that first putt and it nearly rolled in the water. <laughs> oh, he looked he, at Mal. Oh, my gosh. He shot Mal Baker a look like, dude, oh, my God. I, I know. I was thinking. I was like, did, did Mal tell him to, like, hit it harder or something? He's like, it's not as slow as you think, guys. It's not as slow as you think, TG. And then he just knocked it off the green. I don't know. But it was it was, it was was a look from him if I've ever seen it. But, 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 that, but that clutch uh, – uh, approach to green save or whatever the hell you want to calculate it as. Does that count as a chip in, even though you use the putter? I think so. I, was a hole out or like does I, that, does I that think, add to strokes gain? My question is, did he lose strokes gain putting on that hole? Yes, yes he or, did, a hundred percent. Or yeah. did he gain strokes no. around the green on that hole? I think I think it was both. I think it was both of them. Yeah, so probably, so you, yeah. you're telling me, let's go look at his round four. He probably lost strokes approach. Well, I say that. I say that, but like I, we're getting off topic here. Like, <laughs> like, like, like strokes, this is a rabbit. Like hole. strokes gain approach to green. When it says fairway, it counts first cut too. So maybe right. if you're like right on the fringe and you use I mean, I mean strokes but, gain around the green is yeah, what I meant. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I, my point. My point being is that like if you see strokes gain approach to green, it's calculated as fairway. It's first cut shots are still calculated as fairway. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So yep. my yes. point being is that if you putt from the fringe, it still may count as hey, the putting. While we're on that, 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 that was the point I, I was making. While we're on that subject of 17 and guys hitting it to the left center of the green uh, and two putting, how about JT's two putt? I mean, he Ooh, still clutch. had to make a clutch six-footer or so. But by the way, I think the best shot that we saw all day on 17, it actually was not the shot that Brian Harmon hit. It was the shot that Brendan Todd hit, which <laughs> nearly right. ended up on the other island, which is – I don't know, guys. 80 yards from the green, maybe? My question yeah. is, can, can, can you play it if it's yeah. there? What if it's on that island? I mean, I, all right, first of all, there's boats. there's a tower out there, so they have to have some sort of paddle boat. Imagine <laughs> imagine <laughs> Brendan Todd going on a paddle boat out there to hit a shot out of the flowers. I really want to know if there's a local rule. I want to know if there's a local rule for if you end up on that island on 17. Obviously, in everyday day-to-day play, they're not going to have boats out there to take civilians out to that secondary island. But... At the Players' Championship? I mean, could you play it from over there? If he would have landed you two more want yards to the right, he'd be on the island. Yeah, would, that is true. You probably would just, just re-hit from the tee. Because you, yeah. you're, like, guaranteed to hit it in the water. You'd be better off you'd have, on the island. You'd have such a bad out. lie you couldn't put any spin on it out of the flowers. But here's my question. If it's not a hazard and you find it, well, it, it, it you're legally obligated to play it. Well, I, I think it would be, it in, the would be in the hazard because, because th- the they're hazard not going to go line, up and mark the island individually. Yeah, the you hazard, know what I'm saying? The so it's inside of the around. water. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That so you sense. technically would be in the hazard, but but in all reality, with the new rules, it doesn't change a whole lot because you can ground your club now and do all that stuff. So it's yeah. not pertinently different. But the, also, it, it is funny that you make that point, though, because like Sam said, the only way you're going to get that ball to stay is if you hit the tree and it comes straight down, and it's just going to plug in the flowers and the and yeah. the. the Pine straw, whatever that Here's my stuff question. is called. Could you get free relief from that tower and go back to the tee hitting two? Immovable obstruction. Ooh, Immovable that is a, obstruction. That is a, oh, is, my gosh. Wow. Immovable obstruction in the hazard. <laughs> Lay up with an iron into the into hazard. The hazard. <laughs> Which Lee Westwood did yesterday. Why don't we do this? We, we need to take a break. We need to come back on the other side. We've got to lay up with an iron into the hazard, and I want to ask you guys about the drop that he took after he went into the hazard. On number two or four? On number two. Because number that eight. was the one with the iron. Yes. And we can talk about the drop on number four as well yesterday. because They was, were both fun. There, there was a lot going on. So we'll, we'll get into that on the other side, that and much more. Uh, we got Tony Rosner, Sam's boy from yes, UKC. Yes, sir. Antoine. At the Cutter Masters. Top 64 then, player uh, in the world now. Let's yes, go, yes, Tony. Sir. Some big news uh, for a lot of people connected to the pod as far as the match play is concerned. We got college golf this week. A lot to still get into after the break. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. 
For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. By the way, Golf Oklahoma's big-time senior PGA preview magazine coming out soon. Be on the lookout for that. If you want to get ready for the senior PGA here in a couple months at Southern Hills, I know we're all jacked up for that. Make sure that you get Golf Oklahoma's senior PGA preview magazine, which will be out soon. Gentlemen, the Players' Championship finished up yesterday. Obviously, Justin Thomas hoisted the trophy, but it was I mean, it was an entertaining Sunday of golf to get us to that point. And I want to go back to the fourth hole. We were talking about this a little bit before the break. So, uh, Earlier in the day, second hole and the fourth hole. So first off, on the second hole, we got to show Lee West with some love because, y- you know, my man, he... Uh, oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Layup with an iron into the hazard. Oh, poor Lee Westwood. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, poor Lee brilliant Westwood. Brilliant shot. By the way... He got so greedy with that. Way dude, too greedy. How far was he trying to hit that? I mean, obviously, it got up too high, which is why it hit the tree limb, but it looked like he was trying to cut off a... Bunch of yardage with that layup from the pine straw. Well, and like we saw too, it's very similar to the 16 shot in aspect of you got to keep it. He'd had to keep it low under the tree and then hit it high enough to get over the water, right? Yes, so it's yeah. not. I mean, he did hit the tree, which knocked it short and kicked it in. But also too, just to the left of the water, guys, is a is a big bunker. And what did we talk about last week with DeChambeau and number six? One of the last shots you won is that 80 yard bunker shot. Yeah, I had no those, idea what the hell I he was thinking. Yeah. I think you got to take your medicine there. And to top it all off, he said that a pine cone got in between the ball, like where he couldn't move the pine cone because the ball he thought the move. ball would move. And so that that's oh, all the work. If that's the case, it, well, that's that. well, that's what they were saying. Can't remember if it was uh, Faraday or something. Maybe it was Maltby who was walking with him. Uh, said that he mentioned a pine cone uh, got got between the ball and the club and and uh, kind of shot the ball up in the air. A yeah, little bit. If, if you don't know that there's anything under your ball before the fact, then then it's understandable. But if you know going into it. It's the same if, if you have a huge clump of mud on your ball. Like, if you know there's a, a pine cone or even an acorn, whatever it is, behind your ball that knows that it can shoot off any straight way, why are you trying to hit a super risky shot when you yeah, also you also just birdied the first hole and you have you a three-shot lead yeah, at this you have point? A three I know there's a lot of golf left, but still. Take your medicine, but whatever. I mean, he's yeah, still I, in it. Like you said, with the pine four, cone. Four is the one that got him. You you would think the pine cone would make you play less aggressively, not more aggressively, which is what Lee yeah. Westwood decided. I mean, obviously, he just didn't let it impact his decision-making, and maybe he should have. Now, the ball hits the tree. It kicks down into the right into the water. Yeah. He drops. You're allowed to drop anywhere, straight line between you and the hole. You can go as far back as you want. From where, where it crossed. From where, where it crossed. Now, where he dropped was in the fairway, and... 
Maybe I didn't watch the drop closely enough. I don't, I mean, usually if it's Patrick Reed, I'm like dialed in to exactly down to the inch where he drops it. But usually when somebody with, you know, integrity and a good reputation hits it in the water, I'm not like dialed into my TV, can't go to the bathroom because I have to make sure they don't take a bad drop. But then I'm on Twitter and I saw some people complaining about the drop, saying the drop was too far left into the fairway. I Maybe I didn't watch closely well, enough. T- Taylor, you, you go first. What do you think of the drop? I, I thought that whenever you look at it, it, it is one of those sketchy deals because it's like you, you take it where it crossed, you take the flag, draw a straight line back, and you do it, you look at it, and it's like, okay, well, you just came out of the right trees, you hit it in the right water, and you go into a, a flag. So for at any angle, how in the hell do you get to go to the here's, left? I, I I don't know. Here's the here's the caveat. It hit the tree and bounced right into the water. So technically, it's not where the ball hits the water. It's where the ball crosses that line. The red yeah, line. So yeah, it yeah. technically but, but, but could the, have been going. The red line was only like three feet away from I the water, though. I understand that, but it could have been like going like almost dead right to where you get like I mean. Three yeah. yards is a big difference when we're talking line and distance. Let, let me ask well, this no, question. No, not, ne- well, no, not no, necessarily because you're drawing the line from where it actually crossed the water, not from the line it was coming in at. That was the infamous tiger rule, essentially, back in okay, uh, but, but, on l- number 15. Let me 15. ask you this question because... That's where I, it crosses the line. I like to, I like to give yeah, the player... Yeah, but not the path at which it crosses. I like to I give the player that. the benefit of the doubt, so... Unless it's Patrick Reed, but most guys with integrity, I like to give the benefit of the doubt because I don't think guys are intentionally taking bad drops. Is it possible that from where Lee Westwood was standing? Because remember, he's blocked out by trees with his vision. He's back in the pine straw. He he's back quite a ways from where it went in. Is it possible that he saw it hit the tree and kick that way? And maybe he just thought it went it went in a little further left than it actually yeah. went in. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm I, not saying that you take the line that it crossed going in. I'm saying that. If it bounced off the tree to the right, it could have gone in from a little bit more of a left angle or, or than where it hit the looked, water. Or it could have even just looked to Lee Westwood yeah. like it did. Yeah, yeah and, and they, like I said, I'm not accusing him of cheating, but like I got the hole pulled up right here. So, uh, no, no, obviously no one can see on the podcast here, but everyone was, so he's, he's in the right trees here, right? And then he's hitting to this green, and it hits a tree and comes down here. So you draw this line from where it crossed right here into the flag. And it's going back. It should go back more into the trees than it does into the fairway. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think that it yeah. was ill intent bad drop. I thought it was a bad drop. But here's my second point, guys. Westwood mentioned because, I mean, one of the hottest talking points all week was the caddy situation. You know, his fiance's caddy. Oh, great, yeah. great story, right? One of the things that Westwood, um, or what they at least said in telecast that Westwood said, was that, you know, a caddy's not going to be able to tell me much. You yeah. know, I've been out there for so long. I love that. Those quotes came directly from, I think it was a, I don't want to get the the publication wrong. I think it was a Golf Digest story. I read it yesterday where he talked a lot about having his fiance. Here's my question. Do you think a more experienced caddy would have told Westwood to take his medicine and hit it out sideways on on number two? Maybe. 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 No, that's a good point. You know, I mean, I think that's something that, because like you said, from the way I understood it during the telecast, the way they're saying everything, which I mean, take that with a grain of salt nowadays, but um, basically said that Westwood's calling all the shots when he's out there. Like, I remember yeah. I remember on number nine, he hits, a, he hits a shot, and he's like explaining to his fiance why he did it. You know, he's like, oh, I'm off a downslope. I couldn't hit my three iron high enough, so I had to hit it around the trees, you know? So it's like, he's having, to, he's, he's explaining more to her than she is to him, and it's just like, and 
It's Edmonds expensive. We all love our, a good caddy, right? I mean, I think we saw yeah. it. Scott Tway even got shouted out from David Faraday yesterday early yeah. in the telecast. I thought that was really cool. And we heard some – we actually got to hear someone besides Spieth and Greller talk. We heard a little Mal Baker uh, TG yeah, action did. on number 15. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. And, on, and with JT and his caddy on Yeah, 18. thank you. Uh-huh. But thank you. Thank you. Finally, someone they, else they besides – They listened to the pod last week. Yeah, yeah they did. They <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, NBC. Thank you so much. But and real, so, real quick, before we go away from the fiancé, so the, the player-caddy dynamic, obviously, is much different there. I read that whole Golf Digest story, and there's a lot of good quotes from Lee Westwood in there. And again, I think it was Golf Digest. Don't hold it against me if I'm wrong. But basically, he said that he doesn't really want or need a caddy at this point, giving him advice, doing stuff like that. He's going to make his own decisions. He's 47 years old. He's been out there forever. He said that what she has helped him with the most is keeping a good perspective throughout a four-day tournament that, you know, playing golf, playing well, not getting too down on the bad putts, not getting too high on the good putts. It, it seems to me like having her on the bag is much more of a psychological thing for him that it just kind of keeps him level throughout his golf, more so than a traditional caddy, which if you're in the pine straw, might have, you know, grabbed a club for the player and yep. said, look, dude, you got to go left. Yeah, uh, you know... I, I totally can see where Westwood's coming from, just having the psychological effect. I mean, look, he, he had the bad hole on two and the bad hole on four, and he still made clutch putt after clutch putt, which means he was mentally engaged after that, which is really good, and you got to give her credit. Helen, I think, is her name. Yes. Also, I thought it was funny that <laughs> uh, Westwood was paired uh, with the cat. I can't remember who the caddy caddy's for now, um, but – he was paired with his old caddy on Saturday. Oh, really? The one that he fired <laughs> to have Helen come nice. on the bag. So that that might, might have been a little bit of an awkward situation. By, by the way, I didn't realize right after he put her on the bag in like 2018, he had a four-year winless drought, and he won like the next week after he put her on the bag. So, And he's playing better golf now. I mean, he's playing unbelievable golf. The, the strength of field Number 19 the in weeks. the world. The strength of field the last two weeks has been unreal, and he's got back-to-back runner-up finishes to Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas, two of the biggest names in golf. So, obviously, big picture, it's working. I think we can point a microscope at hole number two and say, okay, in this one scenario, maybe a traditional caddy would have been helpful. Exactly. I I completely agree. I'd say over the course of 72 holes, having a good psychological caddy is worth more than a shot or two whenever you have to punch out. That kind of thing. Over the course of a 72, or in the case of Lee Westwood, over the course of calendar years, of golf, it's yep. going to be more beneficial. I mean, he's made $2.4 million or whatever over the last two tournaments. That's not too bad. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what else isn't too bad? The service at Diffie Ford Lincoln out in El Reno. And by the way, it's a short little drive. 15 minutes west of the Oklahoma City Metro. They've been selling cars and trucks to Oklahomans for 66 years. To last that long in the automobile business, you have to treat people like family, and that is exactly what the Diffie team prides itself on. You can even speak directly with the owner, Lane Diffie. He is in the building you can deal directly with the owner. Ask for Lane Diffie and come check out the new 2021 Ford F-150 or the all-new Lincoln Navigator. The Diffie team will always have your best interest at heart. Diffie Ford Lincoln, just 15 minutes west of the Metro on I-40 in El Reno. Uh, fellas, Taylor Gooch, obviously phenomenal week. Tons of love going out to TG. But let's show some love to another poke. Charles Howell III, who, by the way, I don't think that they showed a single shot from Charles Howell III on uh on Saturday, I don't remember seeing a shot of his all week. And then I checked the leaderboard this morning, and I'm like, 
Chucky three sticks. T9. How about the backdoor top 10 for Charles Howe? That's a big old 340K check for a nice little backdoor. Char- Charles Howe, plus 1.38 strokes gained off the tee. Of the, all the people to make the cut, he led. And over the people he led by were Jason Day, uh, K.H. Lee, uh, Sung J.M., Tyler McCumber. Matthew Fitzpatrick was actually up there, strokes gained off the tee within the top 10. And I'm scrolling down here, guys, and I cannot find Bryson anywhere. And um, so I just want to make sure to make that clear. And uh, But, yeah, Chucky three sticks, very underrated. And he must have been driving the hell out of the ball because he uh, for the week, uh, T to green was 2.77 but lost .64 putting. So yeah. if he would have been able to make a few more putts, he might have been up there with TG and some of those other guys. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Bryson. Bryson was plus .46 off the tee for the event on the week. And I think that the, that, that is a testament to how much – the rest of his game has really caught up with that driver because, you know, 0.46 off the tee, he was 1.28 on approach, 0.45 around the green, and 0.94 putting. He was in the positives across the board, and he he was able to get himself a T3 finish at one of the biggest events of the year without having his best game off the tee. No, he, he, he basically gained the same amount of strokes off the tee as he did chipping, which we all talk about is his worst thing because of the single length wedges or whatever it may be. Gained .94 putting, 1.28 approach. Um, so, I mean, we're going to essentially beating a dead horse here, but, I mean, but, it's just another reason to not dial it back. Go yeah, ahead, well, and, and Bryson never ceases to amaze me when we get to courses like this that shouldn't fit him at all like tpc sawgrass has to be like on the top five list of worst courses you would want to pick bryson at just as far as off the tee because his his length advantage only comes into play on maybe four or five holes and you, and you would think that with all the water that he would hit one of those loose shots in the water besides yeah. a top with a three wood <laughs> i mean that was pretty Dude, loose I can't get over the top with the three wood but which by the way had to have severely hurt him in his strokes gained off the tee category yeah a, yeah. a 96 yard top into a 10 yard white creek <laughs> no so <laughs> funny story my buddy zach metalwater got to give him a shout out he was at the tournament yesterday the one shot, he finally ca- caught up to Bryson, and they were on number four tee. Oh, that's Sna- so good. Snapchat from right behind him, literally right in line with him, right behind him. Snapchat, and then you just hear Zach go, where'd that go? And his buddy goes, oh, my God. That is the water. so good. That is so, so good. <laughs> Speaking of your buddies, by the way, how about your college teammate, Antoine Rosner? We talked about yes, the, sir. Cut, the commercial bank Cutter Masters last week. How about Tony Rosner from 60 feet on 18 to win by one? Grew up. And move himself up 33 spots in the world rankings and get himself into the match play next week in Austin. Sam, show your boys some love. Antoine Rosner, vive la France. Let's go. Tony, all the way into the match play. Man, what hits its second European tour win. Antoine Rosner. By the way, if people don't know who Antoine Rosner is, you need to get caught up because he had one of the great amateur careers of anyone. He wasn't really a highly recruited guy coming into college. Obviously, he's from France. Uh, Ended up having a little connection with J.W. Vandenborn at UMKC. Came to UMKC and actually finished eighth in the uh, I think it was in Oregon up in Eugene uh, in the national championship. He had two Challenge Tour wins. He went to the Challenge Tour. First, he went to Asia. Then he went to the Challenge Tour. uh, Had two Challenge Tour wins. And then he won uh, in December of 2020, not too long ago, in Dubai. Broke through for his first European Tour win. Uh, And then, obviously, this week at the Commercial Bank Cutter Masters. That's a huge win for Tony. And if he can have one more good tournament, man, he could get get in the Masters. Yeah. He could get in the Masters. And, um, you know... The great thing about Tony is 
you know, obviously played on the Palmer Cup and everything, but I mean, this guy, he worked his ass off to get where he is. He was not some world beater coming into college or anything, but he found his game in college, and I mean, he works harder than anybody on the planet, um, and it's great to see good guys uh, doing having some success yeah, a couple around things. the world. Yeah, absolutely. A couple things there. One, first of all, congratulations to your friend. It's always awesome to see someone that you know and someone that you that you know is a good guy get out there and have success. And mm-hmm. you, you mentioned ta- the challenge tour in there, Sam, and I want to make sure anyone who's listening understands that the challenge tour is essentially the the wet, uh, the corn ferry of the European tour. And so, I mean, that's the route Brooks Kepka went. That's a, a route of a lot of good European tour players go. So whenever you're mentioned challenge tour, I just want everyone out there listening that to win out on the challenge tour is essentially like winning on the corn fairy tour now i mean you got to play some damn good golf and to even go out there and win there twice just goes to show how good of a player and with him being what 63rd now in the world rankings or something like that i mean he's within how many ever spots of um within 13 spots of getting in the masters and i don't know how many tournaments he plans on playing between now and then but probably what, all what, of them yeah, what he needs to yeah, yeah so what what when is the cutoff does anyone know do you know colby for the 50 top 50 masters is it after the match play cut off for the top cut off for the top 50 in the world i think is the week prior to the Masters. I think maybe... It's not the tournament it, before the... week. It's not the Valero Texas Open. It's whatever's the week before that. That's match play, ain't it? Or, or they go back to Valspar. I think they go back to Valspar. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Yeah, but, so, up. so anyway, so yesterday, we, it was a good day for the pod. Taylor Gooch finishes T5. Brian Harmon finishes T3 at, uh, at the Players' Championship. And Antoine Rosner wins the Cutter Masters. And all those guys moved way up in the world rankings. Brian Harmon moved from 95th to 58th in the world rankings. Antoine Rosner moved from 97th to 63rd. And Taylor Gooch moved from 82nd to 64th in the world rankings. Very, very interesting there. Just one point I want to make. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting how we last week on the pod we talked about how much stronger the field was at the players than the Cutter Masters. Yep. It. I mean, Tony moved up way farther than Gooch did. Gooch had a top five at the players, and Tony Antoine won on the European tour at the Cutter Masters, and he moved up farther with a win on the challenge or on the European tour than. Gooch did with a top five at the players. Yeah, he is, moved up 34 spots. Gooch moved up 18 spots. Taylor? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we could get into that all day long. But, um, yeah, yeah the, Valspar is actually after the Masters this year, guys. Um, is it, it is um, Honda this next week, and then um, WGC uh, match play along with opposite field um, Putacana, yeah. and then Valero Texas Open, and then Augusta. We are not too far away from Augusta, guys. It's wow. just creeping up on us a lot faster, really because we had it in November, and it just seems like it really wasn't that far long ago. But, yeah, so I would assume after the World Golf um, and match play championship that that's when the top 50 is cut off. So that'd be a really good chance for your boy, Tony to make some ground up. Cause if you get past the group play and maybe win a match, I think that's going to propel you up, yeah. but pay you up far enough. Yeah. Right? And, and not only that, I mean, Brian Harmon, Taylor Gooch and Antoine Rosner. I mean, all three of those guys will be dialed in the week of the match play. Yeah. Um, because I mean, that's, that's big time yeah. in well, two and, weeks to yeah. get those guys into Augusta. And, and also too, you know, there'll be a few, a few players, you know, obviously tiger's 57th in the world. He's not going to play. And there's um, like, Kepka's still injured. He probably right. won't play. Um, right. I'm not sure if Matt Wolf will be off of his injury, so he may not play. And there'll be a couple other guys who don't make it. So you don't necessarily have to be in the top 64, but if you are, you're guaranteed a, a shot at getting in if you want yeah. to. Yes. And our guy, I mean, our guys from the pod, I mean, Gooch in the match play, I mean, you don't want to see Gooch in an early round event, you know, in an early round match. You know, it, it, both what the, what the biggest deal in match play is, is – giving yourself birdie chances. And that's something that Antoine does really well. He, he's a great iron player. His swing is impeccable with his irons. It's a very 
Louis Oosthuizen-esque type swing. Um, very very high price. Very there. technically sound. No, I'm serious. You got to see it. And then uh, and then Gooch, obviously, approach to green is great every single week. So yeah, yeah. I think you know in match play from my experience, you know, the main thing is. Never put yourself out of the hole, right? You, you, so if you put yourself into play all the time, yep. then you can essentially apply the pressure all the time. And then, really, it, we talk about all the time, guys, 18 holes, anything can happen. You can shoot six under and lose. You can shoot six over and win, right? Yep. So it, it depends a lot on what your opponent does. But, you know, we, we were texting some a little bit the other day about mind games and match play. You know, like, like for example, <laughs> I, I, I read in Tiger's book, this is what he would say, and I took it from him, where, you know, you're playing someone, they have like a two-and-a-half, three-footer. You, you make a mark, step back they read it they get over the putt give it to him you're good you know it's get, you, you know just little mind games to get in their head and you know and also too guys this is something that you can't really build on and and sustain but one of the worst things in match play is playing against someone who's hacking it and getting it up and down from everywhere that, oh. that is just so frustrating someone who makes like a 10 footer it's just that you can't it's hard to prognosticate when players are going to do that because you can't have success over that, you know what I'm yep. saying? So, and so more, I agree with you that the ball strikers, because you're putting your you're putting pressure on your opponent whenever you hit good shots. And obviously, we've never seen a major winner from the great country of France. And uh, so, John Vandeveld was the closest. He was the closest, but he never won. Uh, ironically, Antoine dated uh, his daughter for uh, just an inside info. For oh, how about that? Anyways, no. So, uh, but we haven't ever seen any really great players from France, but. When we're talking about the match play, Victor Dubuisson had a great run at the match play. He did. What would ever happen to him? He so just kind of fell off the Maybe. Play. I don't know, but we might see a little Antoine Rosner run at the match play this year. I think. So, I, I think. Like we, well, and also, too, you know, this is one thing that we're, 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 we're prognosticating way too far ahead here, but, <laughs> um, you know, match plays in Austin, Texas. I mean, Kansas City, you know, we got Oklahoma, yeah. we got Oklahoma ties going in. The wind's going to blow. I think that's going to play a big factor yeah. going into the match play. There you go. But um, yeah, I know. And that's a good match play course, too. Yes, yeah. it is. I mean, obviously, we're not previewing the match play today. We'll have a great match play preview for you here in a we're couple weeks. We're just excited for our guys. We're yeah. excited for our guys. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, just you know, looking back on this players' championship, guys, just to to wrap up that before we get into like some of the college golf stuff. I know we want to. Um, you know, I'm so, someone a very. I mean, Paul Casey kind of floated around there and finishing T five. He's been playing some very good golf of lately. I mean, really good. Corey Connors went out early, had a chance. Didn't really, um, didn't really have his best stuff. Um, Daniel Berger backdoor top ten, which is someone who I had in our email pool. Didn't really work out very well for for me, but nevertheless, there was a lot of guys in here at eight under. Um, you go from T nine to T seventeen, so that would have been worth a lot of money in this tournament. And so, yeah, we've already mentioned all the local ties and and some of the others. But I will, before we move on, I will give myself credit. I did say Rory first. I will say that I said Rory, but. I did have Justin Thomas in our one and done, must I say. I, 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 was, I don't brag on myself, but JT was my pick, one of my two picks. I was just fixing to read off our one and done standings. Oh uh, so I did some very quick math. I actually did the math in my head. Sam <laughs> and I. Col- uh, Colby, I find it funny. You're a, lot, you're a lot more eager to bring up the one and done when you have a good pick as I, opposed to when I have a good pick. I, I don't, even I don't know, why. know why that works. I don't even know why we did it this week, to be honest with you. It was really counterproductive for Sam and I, who had Patrick Cantlay and Webb Simpson, who clearly are bums and never really – I mean, Webb actually had a really good chance to miss the cut, make the cut. Shot one under on the first day, and then like 75 on the second day. Cantlay was never really in the cut line. Taylor got 2.7 from Justin Thomas. So now Taylor's at about 4.6 million. 
I'm at about 1.4, and Sam, you're at about 1.1. So it's certainly not an insurmountable lead. We've got almost 30 tournaments left. We've got big money in the FedEx Cup. We've got big money at all the majors. But it is definitely... It's uh, certainly ta- not insurmountable, but, but it's certainly clearly, not good. No, Taylor's clearly in the driver's <laughs> That's why, why you run the big dogs out when you got 2.7 mil on the line. You um, said we were running out bigger dogs, and they both missed the cut. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry, sorry, about, then you. I sorry tried, about your big dogs. And JT barely to- made the damn cut and then won the tournament. Yeah, so I took I, Cantlay and Webb. On my on my one and dones, and then I tried to spread the wealth and take and take uh, and take Rory and Rom in my DraftKings. Well done, sir. Yeah, yeah it worked out well. And Cantlay and Gim and Grio and you Vegas. You didn't squeeze JT in there anywhere. Oh my gosh, I didn't. Either. You had every big name except the right one. Gosh. And uh, you know, th- before I move on to the list, uh, I, I just want to list off all the players who actually missed the cut because there were so many good players, but. JT is another example of why, and I'll continue to advocate for this until it happens, but it never will. Every PGA Tour event should have the ten shot rule in effect. I completely, I will stand, I will stand by that until the end of time. It, it, we see it all the time. People make the cut and and then just do what JT didn't go out. Saturday's called Moving Day for a reason. Even though I don't think it's technically Moving Day because it's not really analytically one of the more important rounds in, in of the week, but. Anyone within 10 shots of the lead has a chance to win the tournament. And the, I th- the only thing that would suck if you did that is a, lo- a lot of times, like this week, I mean, you might have thrown another 20 or 30 guys in the mix, and that's fine, and it might make for a better tournament, but everybody gets a smaller check. I mean, obviously, the guys well, at the you, top you, don't you, get a smaller you'd have check. To have, but. You'd have to have MDFs. Made cuts don't finish. You'd, okay. you'd, have, okay. to, you'd have to have a top how many ever after okay. after the round. So, so somebody, yeah. So somebody uh, goes low give, give someone an opportunity to make a run if they're within – if you're within – Five shots each round, that's not insurmountable at all, in my opinion. Um, so just listen off some of the names that missed the cut here, guys. Scotty Scheffler, Hideki Matsuyama, Terrell Hatton, um, Bubba Watson, Tommy Fleetwood, Gary Woodland, Victor Hovland, Webb Simpson, Max God. Homo have been playing tremendously well. Tram- tram- hey, what, what did Hobie finish up at? Uh, two over. Two over. 72-74. And, and he had two-shot penalty mm-hmm. on Thursday. From, from his because mom. Because didn't he move... Didn't he like have to move his ball when he marked it, and then when he went to mark it back, he like moved he it the wrong moved way. It the wrong way. Yeah, he needed yeah. to move it. I think back left, and he, instead he moved it another one right. Yeah. And I think it, the story came out. It was actually his mom who texted him and notified him because I mean that's not something he probably didn't even realize yeah. it. Yeah. And then my understanding is that his mom let him know, and then he reported himself and was assessed a two-stroke penalty and missed the cut by yeah. two shots. So bummer for it to happen that way for Hobie. It, it, it's a game of integrity for sure. And so you know, shout out for for calling yourself even though you cost yourself a chance at the weekend, but you're, you're at least you're at least able to sleep at night, you know, I mean, I think yeah. that's worth a lot more, and so go, keep going down, Brendan Gray, Steve Stricker, uh, Eduardo's brother, Frankie, um, Robert McIntyre been playing good golf, Tony now missed the cut, Cameron Champ, what, what um, did Russell, finish at? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Cantlay missed the cut here. Um, Cameron yes, Taylor, Davis. We know Cantlay missed the cut. We've covered that. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, wait. Did I mention uh, Webb Simpson missed the cut Just, as well? We've, we've covered it, Tyler. <laughs> covered. Oh, 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 here I found Fowler plus six. Sign sealed the God, I saw him on 30 commercials on the weekend. Oh, here's Rory, my other pick, plus 10. Good Lord almighty. Yeah. Um, Sam Bird's been playing good golf. Missed the cut, too. Uh, Kevin Nall decided to withdraw after he made a... Um, a zero putt nine or whatever it was on 17 on Thursday, which he, is very he, impressive. Well, he hurt his back reaching down into the bag to keep getting golf balls. He had to keep bending over. You got to have the caddy throw your ball at that point. Once you've gone twice into the bag, say, throw me a ball and let's do it. Yeah, so. I've actually I've got the cash breakdowns here. Justin Thomas was about 2.7 mil. Lee Westwood was 1.635. And then Ricky Fowler was right there in between uh, Westwood and Bryson for, for, for third on the money list with his sponsorship dollars from the weekend. Got so. <laughs> I don't know which, which one it was, but it's the – 
um, the one where it's with the the guy and they're letting him play through, and Ricky's yeah. with like six players, and that one guy's taking forever. It's a really funny commercial. It's a really good commercial. But I saw it thirty times on a guy who's not even playing the well, weekend. Well, yeah, Come no on. wonder that guy was playing through. And, Ricky's group was taking too too much time. They were yeah. in so many shots. Did, did, did Ricky <laughs> go to the the rain Saturday and hit range balls? That's what I want to know. Oh gosh, where did he do that at? I think it was like the U.S. Open. It was, no, it was the PGA last PGA, fall. PGA, PGA, yeah. I think it was the PGA last fall at Harding Park where he missed the cut and went out on Saturday for a, just a quick chip and putt practice. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so brilliant. Uh, this is what I need everybody to do right now. Go to GolfOklahoma.org. I just went to GolfOklahoma.org. We got some good stuff here, some college golf uh, coverage, some some PGA of America stuff going on here. A great feature story about Quade Cummins heading to the Walker Cup. By the way, if you haven't listened to our interview with Quade Cummins, you can go back and do that. If you still haven't somehow listened to our interview with Taylor Good, scroll down our list of episodes go listen to that interview we interviewed him right after Riviera and you could tell you could hear it in his voice he had some confidence building and was planning yep. on playing some good golf and that showed itself this week at uh, at the Players Championship so go over there you can listen to our podcast right there on the front page of GolfOklahoma.org and read some great stories uh, so head on over there as well as we are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma and we are enjoying that partnership fellas anything we missed before we call college it a day golf, on a Monday college golf college o- golf o- o- yes. o- OU is playing Playing uh, down at Texas, OU and OSU uh, are both playing down at the University of Texas Golf Club. OU, I mean, they're only through about five holes here, and OU is in the lead with Texas at three under. Uh, Oklahoma State is even through about five holes, so very, very early in the 54-hole tournament, but uh, could be a fun little weekend, uh, little OU Texas action. So yeah, little, yeah it'd no, be nice that, to get all three of them up there. If, it, if Oklahoma State could play some good golf it'd be as well, huge. You know, if I mean, like we always talk about in college golf, the home team has a giant advantage. But I mean, if OU could go down there and. Uh, or OSU could go down there and uh, and beat Texas on their home course. I mean, that would be gigantic. Uh, by and, the way, anytime we PGA see Texas you, lose, the better. Every week, PGA Tour U, there's big stuff Coming on Coming down the stretch here. Yes, for Austin Eckro, Quade Cummins, and Garrett Reband, all three of those guys. If Quade, if yes. Quade or Reband could get a win, I mean, that would be massive. And, and Quade even talked about when you guys interviewed him, you know, 6 through 15 does nothing for him because he already qualified for Canada before COVID, yeah. and they're honoring that qualification. So 6 through 15 doesn't really do anything for Quade because he gets Canada status anyway, yeah. he needs to get up to five. Yeah. So, a lot, lot on the line for those guys, yeah, and, Taylor. And really, like he mentioned, he it's kind of a no-lose no situation, right? Because even if you finish where you don't want to, you're, you're going to get what you wanted anyway because he's already got the status. So, he can go out there and play with a little bit more confidence than maybe some of those other guys who don't have the status. So, I, I definitely like that in his favor. Um, I'll cover some of the smaller schools around the state before we get out here. Big Big um, collegiate tournament um, for the uh, D2 schools in, in the state. The Bronco Invitational being held out at, out at Oak Tree East. You don't live very far from there, Sam, do you? And um, so, you know, we got Oklahoma Christian, my alma mater in there, UCO's in, Cameron's in, Southwest Oklahoma's in there, Southeastern Oklahoma's in there, um, Southern Nazarene in there. Bunch, bunch of local local Oklahoma schools there. So as long as some one of these out-of-school states doesn't win, we'll be doing good. But I'm definitely rooting for the uh, Fighting Eagles for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Got to root for the alma mater. So uh, good stuff. Another great week in the world of golf. We'll have another good one this week. Uh, by the way, should we keep it a surprise or should we tell the people who we're having on tomorrow? We what can what tell. do you think? No, we're Let's in. tell them on. Sam, let us know. Hey, we got Scott Verplank coming on tomorrow. Um, actually, we'll have our uh, Honda, Honda Classic Honda preview, show. preview and then we'll... 
we'll release uh, Scott on about Thursday. Yeah, Wednesday or Thursday, yep. we'll get Scott Verplank out there. So later in the week, we'll have that up. Uh, by the way, if you have any questions that you want us to ask Scott Verplank, let us know. Hit yeah. us up. Go to 73rdhole.com and go to contact us. Or you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search 73rd Hole. Let us know what you want us to ask Scott Verplank. Yeah, well, and it should make for an interesting conversation because the rumor mill is, is that Scott is a fan of dialing the ball and distance back. So we should have a very intriguing conversation with Scott on one of his approaches because he is one of the few people that I have heard who actually is a good or has a some actually good advice on how to dial it back. So I would love to hear his take on it from a former, um, obviously one of the, besides Phil was the last amateur to win a PJ yep. Tour event and won the USAM at, at, um, Oak, Tree. at Oak Tree National, um, was the men's club at the time. Yep. And I had been on, what, three Ryder Cup teams, two Ryder Cups, something like yep. that. I mean, and so. Was an assistant on a couple, I think. Yeah, I mean, so. the record just speaks for itself. So, I mean, I'm going to love to hear what Scott has to say about this distance. And I think all of our listeners will too, because um, I definitely, I'm going to be really nice about it. I definitely will have uh, the questions to ask him about it. So Yeah, absolutely. Should get a lot of good stuff uh, out of Scott Replank tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Honda Classic preview show out tomorrow as well. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>